fist bump someone next to you, and you may be seated. <laughs> Welcome. Hello to everybody. I see some new faces. I see some old faces. <laughs> I'm so happy all of y'all are here tonight. Tonight's going to be an awesome night, but who's going to be winning that? <laughs> That's going to be pulled at the end. And um, we have ice cream also at the end, and we also have T-shirt sales. So if you haven't got your Houston Young Adult merch, why not? That's the question. But you can get yours tonight. So I'm excited. I'm going to be sharing the word tonight. If you don't know me, my name's Courtney. If you haven't met me, I want to meet you after. So come and greet me. I want to know you, and I want you to get connected in any way in the church. We've been doing so many things in the Houston Young Adult Ministry. Uh, we have hangouts that we do. We do services every last Friday of the month, but this is our main service, and we always bring the word. We worship. We have fun, but we have the word, and so who loves the word? Amen. So um, tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you three messages or three revelations from the word that have forever changed my life. And I remember I heard a message, not, it wasn't with these same points, but I remember when I, was getting, when I got saved, I would listen to the word on YouTube. Well, I didn't do it, I didn't do it like right when I got saved. I didn't know that, that you could even listen to preaching outside of church. But I got saved, and then someone, like, probably, like, four years after I got saved, I was just so hungry. I, like, I was hungry, and I didn't know how to get more of the word. And the church I was going to didn't teach me these things that I, know, that I discovered from the word until, like, four years into my salvation. But once I discovered these, these things, my life changed, even as a believer. I was a believer. I loved Jesus. But it wasn't until these revelations became real to me that my life started drastically changing just because of what I discovered from the word of God. And so I want to share a few, a few of these things tonight. We'll see if I actually get to three, but um, it might just be one. It might be two, but hopefully, hopefully I get to all three. But we're going to start in John 8, verse 32 in the King James. It says, Jesus is saying this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's the truth that you know that makes you free. It's not the truth that makes you free. It's the truth that you've discovered. It's the truth that becomes real to you, that you, your eyes are open up to, that makes your life change that causes your life to be transformed and altered because of something that you knew, that you now know, that you didn't know before. It's when your eyes were open. And this, this is what happens when the truth becomes a reality to you. Your eyes are open, and you know something, and you become free. You get to experience the thing that the word promises you. So until we come to know these things in the word, we can't experience them. We can't walk in what we don't see. We can't uh, experience what we don't know. Our Christian experience will always be limited to what we, what we already are living, 
before, before our salvation until the realities of God become real to you personally. So like I was saying at the beginning, I got saved. I was so hungry. I was so excited. But I didn't have a teacher. I had, I mean, I went to a church, but it was, it was bare minimal. That's why it's important to be in a good church that teaches the word. I was so on fire for the Lord. I loved the Lord. I wanted to know how to read the Bible. And guess what? I was, I was Catholic my whole life. I was in church. I thought there was, I knew everything there was to know about religion, about Jesus. But I didn't even know why Jesus died for me. I didn't even know why he shed his blood. I didn't even understand the principal foundation of my, of my faith, you know, my religion, my, what I believed in. And it wasn't, it, that's why it's, it's not until these things are preached to you and they become alive to you that you truly get to walk in what God has for you, which is freedom, which is life, and which is blessing, and the blessing of the Lord. So I'm going to share with you those three things. The first one was in Galatians 3, verse 13. This was the revelation of my redemption, the reality of redemption. Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree Christ has redeemed us from the curse say the curse of the law becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in the NLT version it says he has rescued us that's what redeemed means In the Amplified Classic, it says he has purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse or the doom. Say doom. I didn't know I was doomed. That was what I had had to be. Have you heard that saying you had to become lost before you get saved? You have to actually understand that I was lost. When we were lost, we didn't know we were lost. When we were in doom, we had no idea that we were in doom. And so I first had to have my eyes open to how lost we are. How lost we all were. Not are. We're not, we're not lost anymore. We, we are saved. But this, this became so real to me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our redemption in this first point. Redeem means to pay the full payment for all men who are slaves to sin or slaves to Satan, to ransom. That's another word for redeem. I never knew what the word redemption meant either. I didn't know what salvation meant. All those words that we hear about, we have our redemption in Christ. We have a salvation in Christ. All those words, I had no idea what they meant to my life until I studied them, until I heard. To ransom, to ransom means a payment demanded for the release of someone from captivity. To free from captivity or punishment by paying a price. So ransom is a payment. It was something that was paid to set someone free. And so that is, when you think about our redemption, it's easy to think about it in terms of prison or the courts or jail. Because truly, if someone's uh, sentenced for life in prison, it's because they did a crime. And so they had a punishment to pay. And the only way that they could get out is bail, right? If you pay a bail, if you pay a price, then maybe you can get out. But the, the punishment that was ours, the crime that we committed by sin was a forever punishment. 
And there's only one way that that justice could be served. And it was by us going to hell for eternity and staying there and being tormented by the punishment that comes along with sin. And with that reality came the understanding of what Christ did, that he truly redeemed us from that, uh, that, that we will never have to go to hell. We will never have to pay that price. We will never have to experience that punishment be Christ, because Christ has redeemed us. He became our ransom. He became our punishment. So like I said, what was our captivity? Because we were captive. All, every single one of us was captive. What was our punishment? It was the curse of sin on our lives and everything that was associated with Satan. That was our captivity. We were all under the curse. That's why in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse and everything associated with it. Sin, sickness, anxiety, depression, fear, torment, it, it was all under a curse. And the punishment for the curse of sin was the death penalty. If you think about it in terms of court, it was de the death penalty. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death period. And the only way that we, that we can escape that was through Jesus. So understand that every single person had the fate of death. That punishment was every single, per, every single person in the world that is unsaved, their, their, their destiny, their doom is death, eternal death. And they are, they're destined to go there. It's, it's the debt that every man pays. In Romans 5, verse 12, it says that death spread to all men. So what happened was that sin came in the world on the onset. Adam sinned, and he brought sin into the world. And sin was like a, a contagious disease. It spread to every single person. Even if they didn't, they didn't commit the same thing that he did, it was like this this huge dark blanket that covered all of mankind. And it started at the beginning of time. And then when someone gave birth, they gave birth in sin. And that person was cursed. And that person was under the sin. And every single person in the world is, is in this doom. We were all doomed. We were all lost. We were all cursed. We were all in sin. But there, there needed to be a way. And that way came through the person of Jesus to turn that thing around that came into the world. Through one man, the Bible says, curse and sin and death came into the world. But it says through one man came life. Through one man, Jesus Christ came eternal life, came grace, came the victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And so that was the discovery is that Truly, there is a curse that came to every single person. It says that sin came, death held sway, it reigned, it was in dominion of every single one of us prior to our life in Christ, and the curse was inescapable. We couldn't escape it. So that's why before you were saved, you wanted to do good, but you couldn't do good. Does anyone have that story of like, I like actually wanted to try to stop doing this, but I couldn't do it. You would try to stop, but you actually couldn't. It was impossible because it's inescapable. The curse was plaguing your life until Christ took your stony heart out and gave you a heart of flesh. I remember there um, when I got saved and I was studying this and getting to know what Christ has done for me. I remember I was going to pick up a relative from like a night where they had to spend 
somewhere else because it was a wild party drinking night and they, they made tons of mistakes and you know they had told me before in the past, I'm never gonna do this again. And then that time I picked them up and it was, it was the same thing. I'm never drinking again. I'm never doing this again. And to me, I knew it was not going to end until you give your life to Jesus. And it was the same story until that person got saved. And so the, 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 the fact is, is that every person is under that curse until Jesus comes into your life. And then he breaks that power, that curse over your life. And you can actually be in victory over that thing you thought you could never overcome. So no matter how hard you try, this is talking about prior to salvation, you, were, you could be willing to pay the highest of price, prices to free yourself, to set yourself free. If you could put all the world's money into a bucket to try to bail you out of going to hell, it was never going to be enough. The Bible says that sin stains. Sin stains. We're helpless in ourselves to remove it. In Jeremiah 2, verse 22... It says, though you wash yourself with lyle and use much soap, yet your iniquity and guilt are still upon you. You are spotted, dirty, and stained before me. So he's talking about how you could use as much soap as you want to try to rub off sin, to rub off the things that stick to you, to to take away the heavy burden that sin lays upon you, upon your heart, upon your mind, upon your body, upon your family, upon whatever it was that sin attaches itself to. But it says that sin will stain you and it will be like spotty, it's dirty, and it's stained. It's permanent. Who's eating crawfish in here? I'm, a, I'm from New Orleans, so I, I, that's, a, that's a good analogy for me. When you eat crawfish, your hands will smell like seafood for, like, days. Kool-Aid? What about Kool-Aid? Anyone do Kool-Aid? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Kool-Aid has a lot of food coloring in it. I think I saw something on Instagram where they, like, drank, the cool, drank Kool-Aid, and they had pasta in their stomach, too, and the pasta turned blue. But anyway, um, it stayed in their stomach for a while, too. So it was like, oh, okay. But um, anyway, Kool-Aid will stain you. But, I mean, eventually it will go away. But sin, it will stain you like a stench, like a crawfish scent. Your hands smell horrible. And you, you, you even, you're, you're, like everything just oozes out. Garlic, whatever it is, something you don't like. It, it, it's a stench, it's a stain, and that's exactly what sin's like. It's something you can never escape. And there's only one thing that can cleanse the stain of sin, and it's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 6 says, While we were yet in weakness, we were powerless to help ourselves. It says in the Amplified Classic, we were powerful, powerless to help ourselves. So I'm painting the picture here about, about the Lord revealing to me how lost I was. It didn't matter that... I, I wasn't a drug addict. I, I wasn't a person that found the Lord in my lowest place. I was a person that found the Lord in my highest place in life. I was valedictorian. I was full-ride scholarship to be a woman engineer. Oh, that's so awesome. Everyone talked about how great you are. I had everything made. My life was seemingly perfect when I found Christ. And so it has nothing to do with I knew how lost I was. It was the Lord showing me, 
what I redeemed you from. I redeemed you from a life of addiction. I redeemed you from a life of sin. You never have to face the life that I've redeemed you from. And that's the glorious thing about what God does in someone's lives is first knowing I was going to be on my way to hell. It doesn't matter how good I was. It doesn't matter how bad I was. Every single person is under the curse and the doom of sin before Christ. And it's getting to that point where you can even communicate that to someone else and show them every single person. There is no other name by which anyone could be saved other than Jesus Christ. And we've met him, and that's why we're here. Isaiah 59, praise the Lord. Isaiah 59, this scripture, I found it one day, and it like just exploded in me. Because it showed me what Christ had done. If I can find Isaiah, Isaiah 59. NLT. It says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen to any, listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers. Your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies and your mouth spews, spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. He's talking about us prior to our, our salvation. You may be like, this was not me. This was you. <laughs> this was you. This was me. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. They hatch deadly, egg, uh, deadly snakes and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Whoever cracks them will hatch a viper. Their webs can't be made into clothing and nothing they do is productive. All their activity is filled with sin and violence is their trademark. Their feet run to evil. They rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. They don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. There is no peace in your life prior to Christ. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment of peace. So there is no justice among us. We know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but we walk in gloom. That was me. That was my heart when I was about to get saved. Like before my salvation, I was looking, but there was none. I was looking for light, but there was none. There was no one. And the Lord showed me this because... I was waiting to be saved for probably about a year, but there was not a person to preach the gospel to me. And it hit me, the Lord revealed that to me like in, in the past couple of years, but I was ready. My spirit was hungry. I was ready to receive the Lord, but there was not one ready to preach the gospel to me. But I was, wet, I was waiting. I was looking for the light, but I found only darkness. We look for bright skies, but we walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes, even at the brightest of noontime, but we stumble as though it were dark. We are among the living, but we are like the dead. We growl like hungry bears. We moan like mournful doves. We look for justice, but it never comes. We look for rescue, 
but it is far away from us. These are the cries of the hearts of people that are lost, that are longing to be saved. This, This is the voice of those that have yet to hear, but they know there's something to redeem them. They know there's something to save them, to ransom them, to rescue them. They don't know what it is, just like we didn't know that we were lost, we were in doom, but they're searching, they're looking, and this is their voice right here in Isaiah 59. We know that we've rebelled. We know we've denied the Lord. We've talked, we turned our backs on God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, I'm getting somewhere, y'all. Just hang on. I might read the whole thing. Yes, truth is gone. Anyone who renounces evil is attacked. And the Lord looked and was displeased to find that there was no justice. I might switch to another version right here. I'm going to go to the New King James. And it says, what verse was I at? 16. It says, and he saw that there was no man. And he wondered if there was an intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He saw that there was not one person that could do what Jesus could do. He saw that there was not one righteous person. There was not one person that wasn't cursed, that wasn't in doom, that didn't need rescuing. Every single person in the world needs redemption, needs rescuing, needs the life that only Jesus can give them. So what did he say? I'm going to do it. I'm going to send my righteous, strong, mighty right arm to go and rescue them. And when Jesus did, when he did that, he stood up, Jesus stood up and he went to the earth and he came to save you. And he came to do what only Jesus could do, what you could never do for yourselves. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. For he put on righteousness as his breastplate, his helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. Why vengeance? Because he was going to take vengeance on the enemy that was destroying your life. He went to hell and he defeated the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. There's people in hell not knowing that they could have been saved because of the enemy. They thought it was God, but there was not one man to go and tell them. But we're the people now, the redeemed, to go and tell them that you too can be rescued by Jesus. Hallelujah. The garments of vengeance for clothing. He was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries. Man, he was going to take care of business to the enemy. Recompense to his enemies. The the coastlands, he will fully repay. 19, so so, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The redeemer will come to Zion and those who turn from transgression in Jacob. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. 
my spirit who is upon them, and my words which I have put in their mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of their descendants, nor from the mouth of their descendants' descendants from this time forevermore. Amen. There was not one man, so God sent his strong, mighty right arm, Jesus, to come and save mankind. And it says that he is the redeemer that came for us. And so Jesus Christ is our redeemer. He came to do what only he could do in our lives. He did for us what we could never do. He saved us to the uttermost. The only way was either him or, to, or hell. But he t- took hell for us so we never have to go to hell. He went there. He paid the price. He paid my ransom. He rescued me from captivity, bondage, the prison that I was in in my mind. He led me out of captivity. And the Bible says he leads us out of captivity rejoicing. That's why there's spiritual joy in our salvation. It says in Isaiah 55, we come out of our captive captivity with fatness, with profuseness of spiritual joy. There's something about a saved person, a redeemed person that knows, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. They have a joy about them, and that's the joy that comes from being set free completely. Hallelujah. But the the best part Actually, there's, all of this is the best part. But he didn't just go to, to, to hell and die so that we don't have to go to hell and die. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. I, I mean, I could worship on, for that for days. That's the first thing I, I do when I pray in the morning. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for the person that came and preached the gospel to me. I thank the Lord every day for that. But he went to defeat the enemy in hell for three days so that we don't have to live a defeated life. He destroyed the curse of sin so we could live sin-free. The curse of sin that fell on man has been broken because Christ became a curse for us when he hung on the cross. He destroyed the power of sin at the cross. Romans 6, verse 10. When Jesus died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives... He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead, say dead, to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So he broke the power of sin. He redeemed us from sin. And come and everything that comes along with our redemption is found in Deuteronomy 28. I'm not going to go and read this, but, but you should. Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68, it lists every single curse in the, in the book, in the Bible. And all of these curses that are listed are all of the things that we are redeemed from. I'm going to name a few. Inflammation. That was one of them that I read the other day. If you have inflammation in any area, I don't know, knees, back, stomach, head, I don't know, hands, whatever it is, you're redeemed from it. That means you don't have to put up with it in your life. If um, there's one for panic, there's, if you have panic in your life, you're redeemed from panic. The Bible says in uh, the curse that the, part of the curse is that you wake up in the morning and you want it to be night again. You want to go back to sleep. Another part of the curse is that you go to sleep at night and you want it to be day. And that's basically, I, I have no purpose for my life. That's a curse and it's under the curse. So if any of the, you can go in those curses and read them and know that if there's anything in my life that's in this curse, that's in, if I can find anything in my life in these scriptures, 
I'm redeemed from it, which means I have been ransomed. Christ has already paid the price for me, so I'm not going to suffer for what Christ has already suffered for me. Go and locate whatever it is in your life that's aligned with the curse and break its power just because you know I can't have that. There's even a scripture that says every sickness and every disease, even the ones not mentioned in the book. They'll go through a list of inflammation, about uh, epidemics, about plagues, about sicknesses and disease that go on and on and on in your life, about um, about uh, rashes, everything. And then it says, but if we missed one, it's, it's under the curse. So that means that every single sickness and every single disease falls under the curse. When I discovered that, that set me free. Every single morning I got up and I took communion, thanking the Lord for what he did. Because his body broke, my body doesn't have to be broke. Because he shed his blood, my body does not have to shed blood from pain or injury or hurt in any area of my life. I got free from jaw pain. I got free from migraines. I got, pain, got free from going to the doctor literally every month for something. I had issues. I was sick. I don't know why. I just kept going to the doctor, and they kept giving me the same dang thing that didn't help. And I was done. And I, that's, when I, that's when I was sick and tired. And I wanted to know, what can I do to be well in this life? Why am I always sick? And then I discovered that I'm redeemed, that he healed me. And it was the greatest news of my life. So I woke up every morning. I didn't take my allergy medicines in anymore. I stopped taking Motrin. I stopped taking my, my medicine that I would go, take to go to sleep so I would sleep throughout the night. All that stuff I threw down the drain because I didn't need it anymore because I was redeemed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience has been forgiven, whose sin has been put out of sight. Thank you, Jesus. That was number one. And I, goodness, it's already 840. Okay, we'll see where we go. We might just do this next one. The, the next one is the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. And it's an extension of the scripture we were just reading in Galatians 3.13. We're going to go to Galatians 3.14 for this one. The blessing of the Lord. So Galatians 3.13 said that Christ has redeemed us from all the curse. And it says in verse 14, it says, so that... The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, which is you and me, say me, through Jesus Christ, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In Proverbs 10.22, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22 The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord had completely changed my life the first time I heard about it. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me about this sooner? I wanted to know about it sooner. I was so excited about it. And I've shared about 
how uh, the, 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 about this before. So some of y'all may have heard, but when I, when I discovered the blessing of the Lord, when I discovered Deuteronomy 28, the first verses of it, and I would just go around my house, I would, I would say, bless in the city, bless in the field, bless when I come in, bless when I go. We like, me and my roommates had like this rap and we like just saying it wherever we were going because we were blessed, we were redeemed, we were healed. It was like the greatest news I could ever heal here. That's why it's like, why, why, why do people <laughs> reject the blessing? Why do people reject healing? It's like the greatest thing you could ever hear if you're sick or if you're poor or if you're not prospering, if you're failing in life. The blessing was the greatest news that I could hear. And it says that the blessing of the Lord comes upon you and it doesn't add any sorrow to it. So you're not going to be sad and be blessed. You're going to be happy. <laughs> it brings a joy just like your salvation brings a joy. And so what's so awesome about the blessing of the Lord is that when you come, when you come into relationship with Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, this blessing comes upon you. Just as quickly as you have been redeemed from the curse, just as, 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 just as quick as you have been blessed. So the blessing comes upon you when you're born again. So it is upon you. If you are saved, if you are born again, the blessing of God is upon your life. And what the blessing of the Lord is, it's, it's his empowerment for you to prosper in every area of your lives. It's the strength, it's the anointing, it's empowerment upon your life so that everything that you touch, God touches. And so there's a strength now upon your life that you didn't have before when you were saved. The blessing is not for the world. The blessing of the Lord comes upon your life and it's special. It marks you as someone different from the world. Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read it all. But because it, it's so, but it's so good and, so, and, and, and it's amazing. So read it all. But I'm going to read verse 8 of, of Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. It says, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your, in your storehouses. And I'm going to go back. It says, the Lord will command. Say command. He commands the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all. Say all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So what this means is that there is a commanded blessing upon everything that you do. Everything that you put your hands to is commanded to prosper. It's commanded by God. When God commands something, it shall be established. When God speaks, it stands firm. It's secure. It shall come to pass. So when I discovered there's a commanded blessing upon everything I put my hands to that set me free from failure in my life. I lived in fear of failure. I was in school. I was afraid of my great. I mean, I was like, I was anxious. I was an ang ang a very anxious person. And God set me free because I thought I was going to fail. And you might, you might be the same way, but you might worry about how, how you will go in life. You might be concerned. You might fear. You might wonder, is this going to work? You might even be afraid to take the step that God's told you to do because you don't know if it's going to succeed. But when the blessing of the Lord's upon your life, you know it shall prosper. It will be successful because the Lord has blessed you. And everything that you set your hand to shall prosper. The blessing of God is guaranteed success. Your hands are blessed. 
How can you fail? When you set out to do, whatever you set out to do, it will prosper. Wherever you go, blessings. Bless in the city, bless in the field, bless when you come, bless when you go. And this is for every single person that is born again. Amen. Genesis 12. This is where God describes the blessing of Abraham. That, that he blessed Abraham. He said, I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. And he says in Genesis 12 that he will make you as large as nations. The blessing in the message translation, it says the blessing will make you famous. It will make you stand out. It will distinguish you in life from the rest. So become blessing-minded. You are an heir of God. You have an inheritance. You, when you have entered into the kingdom of God, you entered into the richest family in the entire world. You have the fortunes of heaven. And that's what you're connected to now. Hallelujah. You are an heir of the most high God and you have an inheritance that's greater than all the riches and all the gold. And so become blessing minded. See yourself. Meditate on God's goodness and on God's greatness. That will change you from being a person of smallness, of lack, of insufficiency to looking at what God has put on your life. Something that will cause you to go where you could not go on your own because God will always take you higher and further and greater than anything that you could ever do in your life. So what's important about the blessing is that the way to enter into the blessing is by entering into covenant with him. So experiencing the blessing in your life because you are blessed, but how do you release the blessing? How do you activate it in your life? There's the will of God is that you are blessed, that you will walk in the prosperity. But there's a, there's an, that's the end goal. That's the destination that you're going to. But just like who uses the Waze app or maybe Google Maps, there, everyone uses some sort of app. And it's going to tell you the way to get to your destination. But if you go and you say, I'm going to go this way, you might, you might, it might take you longer to get to church. And then you're going to be late and someone's going to call you out. But there's going to be ways. And so God has ways for you to get where, what he's destined you to have. He has, he has ways for you to, uh, to experience his will in your life. And so there's ways to enter into the blessing. In Genesis 17, verse 9, it talks about this covenant. This covenant that, he said, that God says, I will be committed and I will be legally bound to this covenant if you are legally bound to this covenant. I will legally be bound to blessing you and prospering you if you are hooked in to this covenant with me. And so it says, he said to Abraham, uh, God said to Abraham, uh, Genesis 17 verse 9, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. So to experience the blessing in your life to the way to experience the will of God for your life is to obey the terms of this covenant. And so we know what the terms of the covenant is. The Bible says that he will that he promises to open up the windows of heaven upon your life and he will pour out blessings so great that you will not have even enough room to take it all, all in when you tithe. That's a way of God. Genesis 26 we know this story because I read it like all the time, but Genesis 26 was a story of Isaac. 
and it says that there was a time of famine, and Isaac was like, what am I going to do? And Isaac was like, I'm going to go to Egypt just like Abraham did. Abraham went to Egypt during the famine. So Isaac, like, Isaac was like, I'm going to go and do what Abraham did. And so he was setting out to go to Egypt, and then God spoke to him in Genesis 26, verse 2. It says, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I promised Abraham. So another way to, enter, to, to experience the blessing of the Lord in your life is to do what God says. What if Isaac moved? What if he moved to Egypt? What if he didn't do what God told him to do? He said he ends up staying in, in the land just as God told him, and he ended up sowing in that land. That means he started planting seeds in a time of famine, in the time when the ground was, like, so dry, so cracked. Like, it was, you couldn't, you had to, like, dig and drill to put seeds into the ground. No one was doing that. But he went out, and he started to sow in a time where it didn't make sense to sow because God told him to do it. And the Bible says that that same year that he sowed, he reaped 100-fold. And so he showed us the example of when I obey the Lord and when I sow, I activate God's blessing in my life. I experience that blessing that's upon me. I do what he says, and I walk in what he says I could have. So you need to know that God's ways will always get you results. Not when you put yourself in your own way, doing your own thing. The blessing is going to be where God tells you to be, where God instructs you to go. There's people here that I know I'm one of them. I know Gio, he moved away to go to Bible school. I caught him when he was, he was laughing. Um, but I mean, I, I, the Lord sent me here to be here. So the Lord called me out of my home to put me here. And this is where my blessing's at. The Lord called Gio to Tampa, and that's where, he's being, that's where he needs to be right now. So wherever God tells you to be is where you need to be. Am I telling you you need to move away to Tampa and go to Bible school? No, but if God tells you to do that, you need to do that. Am I telling you to move somewhere else? I'm telling you to do what God tells you to do, and you're going to be in the blessing all the days of your lives. Hallelujah. Your position even tonight to see the greatest blessings in the next half of 2023. You being here, sitting under the word of God, Praise the Lord. Well, I don't think I'm going to get to this last one, but I won't share all, all of it, but I'll share just a, a piece of it. But uh, the last thing, the last uh, revelation from the word that changed my life is the power of my words. Proverbs 18, verse 21. And this, I mean, all these that I'm sharing with you, I'm telling you, all these things change my life. It says in this scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and will bear the consequences of their words. So that could be good. It could be bad. But it says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. So when something's in power, in, uh, in power of something else, it means that it's in control. It's, so it says here that the tongue is, in the, is, uh, is controlling whether you're going to experience death or life in your life. So that, the one that's in control is the one that calls the shots. 
It's the one who is directing where life is going. So death and life are not subject to what, you're, what you say. It's, it is subject to what you say, but it's what you're speaking that's going to produce the fruit of death or life in your life. Death and life are subject to what you are speaking. And I looked up that word power that it says in verse uh, 21 of Proverbs 18 that says death and life are in the power of the tongue. What does that word power mean in the original language? And it means, it, in other version, it says hands. So it says death and life are in the hands of the tongue. And I don't know if you all have heard of that saying, but it's like when I put this in your hands, that means I'm, I'm giving you control over it. I give it to your authority. And so it is that our life is in the hands of our tongue. Where our life goes is in the hands of what we are saying. The Bible says that your tongue is like a rudder of a ship. Even though a rudder is very small part of a ship, it directs your life. It steers you in where you're going. So if you don't like where you're at, check the words that you're speaking. And this is, this. I, I came to a dark place. I was a Christian. I was a believer. But I was in a place of anxiety. I was in a place of depression. I was in a place of fear because of the words that I was speaking. I drove myself. I was fearful. I was speaking fear. I was, and I was leading my life into a way that I didn't want to go. And I put myself, and that was, that was in college when I didn't know this message. And this message was the message that I discovered, one, got me to where I was, but it was the message that pulled me out of where I was into a place of life, into a place of victory, into a place of freedom. I was trapped in anxiety. But when I discovered that my words are what is going to cause me to turn my life around, I started to speak even when I didn't feel it. Even when my body said otherwise, even when what I was experiencing, when I was feeling, what, the things that were happening in my body, I was speaking the exact opposite. I was speaking the word of God. When I was having heart palpitations, when I couldn't think, when I had to get in front of people and speak, like the fact that I'm doing this is a miracle. I would, I would be in college and I, I would freeze up. My, 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 I would like choke up. I would choke up. I couldn't, I was fearful. I was full of anxiety. But the fact that I couldn't even do this today is a miracle. And it was because I started to speak. I got up every single morning. I had scriptures. I put them on index cards, and I would read them. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I am free from oppression. As far as the east is from the west, so is sin, so is sickness, so is anxiety, so is fear, so is depression. And I started rising up from anxiety, from Severe anxiety, severe depression because anxiety brought me into a place of depression because I was so fearful about where to go. It it became depressing to me. But then I started to get into the presence of the Lord every morning. I started to praise the Lord even though I didn't want to praise. I gave him a sacrifice of praise. I started to praise him. I started to lift up my hands when I didn't want to lift up my hands. And I offered praise. You are mighty. You are able. You are strong in battle. You are the El Shaddai. You are my provider. 
provider. You are the, the Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals me. I began to declare and I began to praise every single morning by opening up my mouth. And my life started to be steered into the direction that I wanted for my life. So the power of the tongue is everything. What you are speaking can, can totally change your life. And I know it sounds crazy. How can me saying the word of God change my life? I don't know other than it is supernatural and it works. When you begin to speak the word of God, your life goes in the direction of life and of blessing and of freedom and of victory. And this revelation completely changed my life and it continues to because if there's anything in my life that I don't like immediately I'm going to attack it with the words that I'm speaking I'm going to take myself what I where I go by the words that I'm speaking if I desire something from the Lord the Bible says Mark 11 it says there's two scriptures Mark 11:23 it says when there's some there's a mountain in your life that needs to be removed you can speak to the things that you don't want in your life and tell it to get the hell out of my life get out of my life now in Jesus name get out now in Jesus name you can speak to things and tell them to get away but then there's things if you want things in your life the next verse verse 24 of Mark 11 it says whatever you desire when you pray and you, you pray and you believe. It says that if you believe when you pray, you know that you will have it. Receive it when you pray or believe. What does it say? <laughs> Therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them when you are praying. So you say, Lord, I believe that I receive blank because of this in your word. And and I know that I will have them. And it's done. So after that, you just begin thanking the Lord that you're free. Thanking the Lord that you have it. Thank the Lord that you're going to see it in the days to come. In Jesus' mighty name, we're going to end there. But praise the Lord. Those were three things that forever changed my life. And I know when you grab a hold of these things, I hope that you have, they will completely change your life as well. That The worship team will come up. We're going to take some time to pray. Who enjoyed that? Did someone receive something tonight? Amen. And y'all can stand to your feet as well. We're going to go into a time of prayer. So I want to ask tonight, I want to I pray with every, anyone and everyone who desires prayer. But I do want to ask if you're here tonight and you heard tonight's message and you know I, after hearing about what I ministered on, on redemption and on salvation and what Christ has done, and you realize I'm not saved. I'm not redeemed. I, I know I've, I'm far away from the Lord, but I want to know what Christ has done. I want to know his love. I want to experience his forgiveness in my life. I want you to know that Jesus has made a way, and tonight you're here to be brought back to God. So I'm going to invite you, if you want to give your lives to Jesus tonight, you have an opportunity to come, and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your lives, I just want everyone to just bow your heads, ask yourself that question. Do I know if I'm going to heaven? Do I know that I have an eternity with Christ and not an eternity with the enemy who has steal, killed, and tried to destroy your life? If you want to give your lives to Jesus tonight, I want you to let me know. But just by lifting up your hand and say, Courtney, just pray for me tonight.